in a new age world. World. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to get through this thing called strife. Eclectic word strife, it means something stressful, something a kind of ouchy, something that hurts. But I'm here to tell you, there is something else. Paratopia. A world of never frowning smiley faces. You commune with the sun, even in darkest night. So when the private digs come looking for you, you know the ones hired by your parents to deprogram you, right? You tell them, do not think. You tell them, you're already home. And if the man remains on your case, punch me in the face. Might as well, he already thinks you're crazy. Hello. Oh, welcome, everybody, to Paratopia's 50. <laughs> go ahead, Jeff. Yes? No, I'm good. Let's go. Oh, yeah. This is the, uh, this is, this here is the 50th episode, and it's already, um, well, I wouldn't say a train wreck exactly. Stink bomb. 
<laughs> no, no, it's, it'll be fine. It's Find just, the peanut gallery. It's just that half of the round table uh, didn't show up, and the other so, half gave me fake phone numbers. So, so it's an oblong table. <laughs> yeah, it's an oblong table. Uh, but who we do have with us um, is, let me see if I can get these names right, Jody Heckman, who you might know as Mudhog from our message board. Say hello. Howdy. That's his voice. He couldn't be more thrilled to be here. Um, <laughs> and then Alan Garrow, who is uh, seven string on the message board. Greed is a hallucination. Oh, God. And Jeff Ritzman, who uh, never goes to the message board. Howdy. <laughs> so the the good news about this is um, if if we run out of our own stuff to talk about, a bunch of people did leave their own questions on the 50th show uh, thread, so we can always go to those if we get bored. Oh really? Well, we should do those first because that's that's the that's the ones yeah, people. Yeah, get that out of the way. Yeah, yeah, get that get that right out of the way. Okay. Yeah. All right. So the first question comes from I, I don't even know how to pronounce this of Ab Abtis, right? Is that how you pronounce that name? Abedifus. Ab- okay. Who says? <laughs> okay, I can't really come up with anything other than something that came to mind last night when I was listening to Paul. You know, it doesn't probably go with the topic of this thread. But you guys decide. Uh, I'll just post it here, blah, blah, blah. Okay. Um, I, I think someone has to be cleared for landing. Can we hold this one? I was going to say, do you guys hear that plane? <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> it's just the men in black, nothing to fear. Uh, you guys have covered plenty of angles from the trickster phenomena to residual ghosts to nuts and bolts. One thing I don't recall you guys discussing or having a show on is the parasite phenomenon. It would be interesting, to say the least, to hear you guys consider alien abductions through some kind of parasite filter, for the lack of a better term. Especially Jeff's experiences being so fucking weird. Would and could trigger interesting thoughts in a parasite guy like Paul Eno, if he were a guest on the show. Well, he's not a guest on the show, is he? Is he? Um, I can already think of some parallels, for example, how Jeff always says and asks the guests about how the more attention you pay to the phenomenon, the more it seems to manifest itself. Right. And then he goes on to make a joke about he's not sure that he actually asked a question. Well, what is the question? The question is, what is the parasite phenomenon? Anyone know? I mean, what are we talking about? I think he's referring to uh, some of the, the woo-woo world out there saying that there's uh, there's entities and even some of the uh, the uh, extraterrestrials feed off of our, our negative energy. I mean, if you follow any of the, the reptilian stuff, I mean, that's that's like their whole purpose, the whole... Everything is set up just to make us live in fear under control so that we uh, keep dishing out negative emotions because that's what they, they feed off of. That's, that's my first thought without even thinking about it. Yeah, I mean, I've heard of parasitic, um, psychic parasites, you know, that are. I, I've heard guys talk about this on various shows, um, but it seems more like um, some sort of little worm like entity or something, you know, if you believe in such a thing. I guess for me, the bottom line is um, I don't I don't buy that there are energy vampires feeding on fear. I don't buy any of that aspect of it, if that's the question, you know, in terms of a parasitic thing that's trying to get you to have an emotion so that it can feed off of it or drain you in some way. I don't buy that. I don't even buy that in terms of what people see on the ayahuasca trip or any of that sort of stuff where they literally see some sort of par- parasitic entity that that leeches onto them or goes into them. I think all of that is um, sort of a a metaphor in a way. 
I just don't, uh, I don't buy it. Because I, I think, like, if there were aliens or interdimensional beings doing that, they could just raise people cattle to, to do that and keep them in fear and feed their need. Uh, okay. Jeff? I have nothing to add. <laughs> this is going well. Before we go on, uh, let me ask you guys, what is what are your experiences in this? Are you experiencers? Are you interested bystanders? What brings you to the roundtable? And I guess I'll ask Alan first. Well, um, I would have to say that I'm an experiencer of sorts. Um, I, I can't necessarily say that it was um, alien necessarily. It was more, I, I've grown up um, around the, the shadow people wow. ever since I was probably maybe eight or nine years old. Yeah, And it wasn't until I started hearing other people's accounts of you know, you know, the shadow people, you know, entities or, you know, however you want to refer to them as. And then I heard um, an interview, and I forget which one it was and which podcast it might have been on, but it was um, Jeff was re, you know, reliving some of the stuff that he had seen. And it just, it, that whole shadow people thing for me started to make me wonder, you know, is that just another part of, you know, the entire um, the alien phenomenon, if you will. And but it's it's been something that has just been real with me ever since I was a child. Um, and then later on to find out that um, my sister and brother, you know, they had both seen it, but it was nothing that any of us ever talked about. You know, so then the more I started getting, um, you know, being more interested, you know, in the phenomenon themselves, and then starting being interested in like UFOs and just kind of, you know, being pulled into all of that, it just really made me think that. You know, what was I experiencing, and is it, you know, somehow interrelated to the, you know, the whole big picture, if that makes any sense. Sure. And uh, Jody? I started uh, about seven years ago. I started going through a divorce, and uh, I turned inward to look for answers rather than looking outward. And I was exposed to, uh, believe it or not, uh, Oprah Winfrey show had a guy named uh, Gary Zukoff on and uh, he started talking about how he lived up in the mountains with no TV, and uh, we're on the verge of evolving as a species into a multi-sensory entity rather than just existing off of our five tangible senses. And I'm like, wow, that really makes a lot of sense to me. So that kind of got me started. And then I went, ended up uh, through a lot of synchronicities. I ended up going out to Gillian's Ranch out in Oregon, which was very difficult for me because of my financial situation and everything. Uh, money fell into my lap. I went out there, and a lot of what he was saying resonated well with me. I, I found uh, and agreed with a lot of what he was saying, how he was saying it. Uh, I went out there and saw stuff in the sky out there that uh, a majority of it probably can be described as as satellites, secret stuff that they don't put up on the websites that's passing overhead and that kind of stuff. But you've got these things that are flying overhead and they are not going in straight lines. Their uh, luminosity changes repeatedly. Um, some are just show up and blink and don't move, and you can interact with them and get them to respond back and forth. Um, and the first night we were there, we saw 40 things in the sky. You know, and we saw airplanes and we saw meteors, and it, it's there's no comparison at all. I, I've got about 10 hours of uh, flight time under my belt for a pilot's license and stuff. And, it doesn't make me an expert in the field at all, but I can tell the difference between an airplane and what's not. 
So I saw things out there that I couldn't explain and uh, didn't have any super woo-woo, fantastic, life-altering events other than I believed in, in ETs and went out there and saw some stuff that, that um, fit my belief system that, that there's something else out there. And then uh, we came home, and my sister and I live across the street from each other. Uh, we were over at her house with about a dozen people, goofing off, sky-watching, we call it. And the one evening we saw two things that flew over our head at 100 feet, um, made no absolutely no noise at all, um, didn't appear to be illuminated with any type of uh, like a, a light had a power source to it, but they they appeared to be. Uh, I believe Jeff was saying how the uh, O'Hare incident it had like uh, uh, gnats. I believe you said. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's what these things appeared to be full of, and one was gray and one was orange. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then my sister's like, "Everybody, write down what you saw because this is really incredible. And nobody wants to forget." Everybody wrote down something different, <laughs> and yeah. uh, I was like, "Wow, I, we all." perceive differently. We all have different experiences. We all have different filters. We don't see with our eyes. We see with our brains. So whatever happened was individual to every person, even though it was a collective group experience, mm-hmm. which just reinforces to me that there's something else going on that warrants more investigation that science is either suppressing or not looking into because they can't explain it, so they don't want to try. Uh, uh, I've had an apartment building for a couple of years that was I'm going to say haunted. Um, two ghost hunters, psychics in the area came in at two different times and gave us exactly the same story, which just reinforced to me to give the story some more credibility. One of the people that built the building, three brothers built it. One of them died in it. Um, both of them picked up on that right away. Um, it's got two commercial units and four residential units. People reported seeing apparitions. We, the one side was a coffee shop, and the one kid was working late at night. Nobody else was around. And he's cleaning the tables, and the radio just goes dead silent. No static, just completely dead. He turns around and looks at the radio, and there's like a three-foot misty cloud floating through the room. He dropped everything, ran out of the building, never came back again. <laughs> um, and my, I, I'm engaged right now to a, uh, a girl that has four children, and one of them is uh, premenstrual. And there's just all kinds of crazy stuff going on in the house. Sure. And I'm not super educated, knowledgeable, or experienced, but it just popped in my head. It's it's because of her hormonal imbalance. It's actually her own energy that's manifesting because it is a confusing time for her. She's she's doing whatever. I mean, my girlfriend calls me at 2 o'clock in the morning, like, crying scared that it sounds like somebody is slamming themselves into her closet door while, while the daughter stays sleeping. And, and we sit and watch TV, and we see black shadows shoot across the doorway and stuff like that, and footsteps and, and all this stuff. And I, I've been going to uh, meditations and do yoga, and, and I, I got certified in Reiki. I'm a paramedic, by the way, for about 10 years now, and, and uh, I actually got a bachelor's in nursing after getting out of the service and realized I cannot work in a hospital. They treat people like cattle, and I just morally couldn't couldn't continue to do that kind of job. And longer being a paramedic, I uh, started to realize how Western medicine is, is completely profit-motivated. It wants to cure nothing. It wants to treat everything. Uh, so I started exploring acupuncture, chiropractic medicine. I'm, I'm kind of just a, a mild-level experiencer, but I'm gathering information to set up my belief system. And uh, I think one thing that I, I've only been uh, listening to you guys for a little while, and I'm going back through and listening to all the old podcasts and stuff, but I really respect your perspective on things of taking a step back and, 
and and trying to understand why all this is going on and not so much explaining the finite details of it, which is what I see a lot of the people trying to do, but look at the whole experience and say what's going on and accepting that we all have different experiences and there's different possibilities and there's different answers and, and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Why do you think um, the, what is it, fiancé's daughter, um, why do you think her and not, say, my sister? I mean, what what was it about her coming into womanhood that caused paranormal activity? Any idea? Uh, I have no idea. Um, one of the, the girls is four years old, and for months and months and months, she's been talking about playing with two friends, Punchy and Sally. So my girlfriend's name's Sherry. So Sherry and I are like, okay, Punchy and Sally, all right, they're friends from preschool or whatever. Well, last week she goes, well, Punchy died because he had a toy stuck in his throat, and Sally died because she was sick. And uh, there's a theory out there that kids can see things until they're taught to not see things. I'm not sure if I believe it or not, but so rather than discredit it, uh, I said to her, do they scare you? Are they dead? Are they happy? Do they live around here? And I was getting some information out of her, but she's only four, so it's kind of hard, but really interesting. Hmm. So wait a minute, um, she's four? Yeah. That's premenstrual? No, 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 no. The four-year-old has the two <laughs> friends that she sees that oh, one died okay. from having a premenstrual <laughs> one. Good call. <laughs> And uh, yeah. I don't know. It, 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 as soon as as soon as she told me what was going on, the it, it popped in my head, and I I don't know. I just spoke it because it was there. And, uh, we both go to a uh, holistic center. We go there for uh, the lady taught me my my Reiki stuff, and I go there once in a while for group meditation. And uh, Sherry called her up, and the first words out of her mouth were, "She's she's premenstrual, she, uh, premenstrual, and that's that's why it's happening." So it just reinforced it. Hmm. Very interesting. Um, that is interesting. Um, may I interject with the, something to add on to that? Because that reminded me, um, I, I have a niece, and I think she is going to go with like 11 to 12 years old right now. And she was, um, when she was born, she was one of those children that were just, you just you could tell there was something about her. She's you know we all thought that she was an old soul, and I had told my sister from the beginning. I said you know when you do have children, I said do not like you know don't don't let them grow up too fast. Let them be children because you know for my own selfish reasons, I know that children can see things because they don't know that they're not supposed to. And I explained that to my sister, and she said, well, that makes a lot of sense, you know, because, you know, again, we, we, we went back on uh, when we were children and when we were growing up, things that we didn't talk about that we then later talked about as far as, you know, like entities that we would see, you know, the shadow people. I mean, all this stuff that just went on that we, it was just part of growing up in northern Michigan. We, it was just normal for us. And when her daughter started getting older and was like, you know, getting able to talk and, um, I was visiting Northern Michigan um, during a Christmas, and I, I can't remember for how long, but I've always just seen things, you know. And quite often it was just like it's uh, my uh, my grandmother on my mom's side, you know. She was kind of a kind of a gypsy, you know, the the whole um, just old Scottish woman. So a lot of the old stuff carried over from, you know, the Scottish paganism and stuff. So there's a lot of superstition. And I used to see her a lot when I was a child after she had died. And it kind of faded in and out. And one day 
um, it was well, it was Christmas Day, and I was sitting in the living room um, at my parents' house um, with my niece Brianna, and I caught something out of the corner of my eye. And again, I you know you, you get used to seeing this stuff, and I just I kind of glanced over and looked back because I was talking with her. She had glanced over at the same time that I did, and she just had that look in her eye. And I had asked her, I said, uh, did you just see something? And she just smiled. She goes, maybe. What did you see? I said, it doesn't matter. I mean, you, you tell me. And she goes, well, I saw Grandma. That's going to sound crazy. And then she started trying to, um, you know, quantify what it was and say, well, no, you, you wouldn't get it. I'm like, yeah, it's. I said, which grandma was it? And she had told me that it was um, our grandma Merritt. And my grandma Merritt had died when I was probably six or seven years old. So, I mean, this has been 30-plus years. She's never met the woman. And she stood there, and she, she described what she had saw, and that was the same thing that I had seen. And it was that moment that I kind of, you know, it, it was a qualifying moment for me to know that, my niece not was wasn't just saying it, but she actually saw the same thing that I did. And then when I called my mom over, I said, "You know, you need to hear what Brianna has to say." And she had told my mom, and my mom, you know, a little a little skeptical, but she's been around this weird kids long enough to know that you know there's some validity to it. And she goes, "Well, what exactly was you know Grandma wearing?" And she explained that my grandma used to wear these I don't know like the, the Grandma Moo Moo things. It just a long straight dress. And she always had a, um, a always wore this blue checkered apron. And Brianna described that to her to a T and even explained, you know, what, what her glasses looked like and that she had seen her before up close and that there was tape on her glasses. I had forgotten that detail, and my mother started crying. And, and as we had talked about it, she had explained to me that, you know, you know what had happened and how the glasses had, had been broken. And when my mom was growing up, you know, they were... Um, there was 11 children in the family, so obviously money was pretty tight. And when glasses got broken or stuff like that, it just got taped together or glued. So it, it was it was pretty crazy, you know, to you know to hear that. And she is still like that to this day. She can still, you know, she sees things and um, she converses with her, you know, imaginary friends. Which you know, I, I do question whether they are actually imaginary or not. But I, I haven't been around her for probably it's been about four years since I've last seen her. Hmm. This just in, uh, Bunny Girl, Deidre O'Lavery, just came online. Do we want to let her into the conversation? Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Thumbs up. This is Tim Banal from Banal of America, and you're listening to fucking Paratopia and shit, dude. Deirdre? Hi, Jeremy. How are you? Good. How are you? Not too bad. Paratopia, Bunny Girl, whose real name is Deirdre, Deirdre O'Lavery. <laughs> Right? Irish? That's right. <laughs> you, you can't really go wrong with the O apostrophe. It's pretty much Irish or, or a mistake. You'd be, uh, you'd be surprised how many people fucked that up. <laughs> <laughs> She's kindly joined us here, so the round it's, table... It's the first F-bomb of the 50th episode. <laughs> the first F-bomb? Yeah. Okay, on with the show. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff, you have better things to do. Damn! <laughs> uh, all right, on with the show. Core1065 writes... Deidre, by the way, we're going down the list of things people have written for all us right. to comment on. 
Anyone who has odd or paranormal events has a watershed moment. Before the watershed event, they have plausible deniability. They can blame it on sleep problems, stress hallucinations, etc. But they have an event so bizarre that they can no longer live under their safety blanket. If I may ask, what is the round table's individual watershed moments? Deidre, uh, we, we just went um, down the list here and uh, these two jamokes gave us their background. Do you have a, a background in the paranormal, or are you just a, an in, interested bystander? Um, I'm just interested bystander, I guess. So you Nothing have no watershed moment, is what you're telling me? No, not really. Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> that makes this question go easier. Jody, watershed <laughs> moment? <laughs> I think I shared most of my stuff already. I really, I'm so laid back and easy going, like from being a paramedic, I don't get excited about too much. So, I mean, if something happens, I throw that into my toolbox of cool stuff and I just keep doing what I'm doing because the sun's going to come up tomorrow and I still got to pay taxes so all right and Alan watershed now are we going to are we going to dabble at all into the crypto mundo crypto zoology stuff well we can if we want uh it's just saying what what is the the first event that you've ever had where it was like okay this I can't deny well, now I'm out of my own yeah. sense of reality oh okay, yeah yeah I, I guess that, that's more paranormal because Strange shit that I've seen growing up in Northern Michigan maybe doesn't necessarily qualify as paranormal. Um, I, you know, I guess if I wanted to lump um, the watershed in along with kind of a, a confirmation beyond you know the, the last one that I had talked about, um, we had. Um, I'm currently going through um, a separation, so I've been relocated. But prior to being relocated, I lived. Um, closer into Nashville, and we had a series of events that happened over a period of about, you know, well, probably about a week, I guess. And it had started with um, a simple conversation that my uh, former wife and I were having downstairs, just talking about, you know, growing up and, you know, the, the shadow people thing had gotten brought up, and then um, just seeing things, you know, catch us up out of the corner of our eyes. And as we were talking, um, we both saw this light shoot across the room that went completely opposite of any windows, uh, you know, so rule out, you know, vehicles out in the, par- in the apartment's uh, parking lot. And again, I'm used to seeing stuff. So when I saw that, I just, I kind of glanced up and continued on. She stops the conversation and said, did you see that? I'm like, can you describe what you want me to think that I may have saw? And she described exactly what it was, you know, as far as it, and it was just a light. I, you know, I'm not going to do the orb thing. It was just a light that you catch on your peripheral vision above your head. Shot across the room, and that was it. I'm like, well, yeah, yeah, I just saw that. She goes, well, that was pretty bizarre. And about the same time, um, one of our sons walked downstairs, you know, and he heard us talking about it, and he was kind of like, well, yeah, yeah, I see these lights, too. And then the other son comes down, and he's like, well, no, I don't see lights, but, you know, there's these damn things that stand at the end of my bed, and they just drive me crazy. And I'm like, what? And the other son, the younger one, is like, oh, yeah. He goes, dude, I know exactly what you're talking about. Did you see the one last night? And he's like, you were awake? He's like, well, how couldn't I be? He goes, you stand at the end of your bed. He goes, but I was too scared to say anything. I'm like, all right, guys, you know, rewind it. What the hell are you talking about? And they're like, well, 
we can't describe it. You know, so the whole time I'm thinking to myself, well, I know what they're talking about. I looked at my wife and she just had that knowing look in her eye, but we just listened because we didn't want to, you know, dilute their stories any. And, you know, Chris, the oldest, he's like, yeah, it stands at the end of my bed and it just stares at me. And I'm like, okay, well, a little bit more. And he goes, I, I can't move. He goes, when I see it there, I cannot move. He goes, the last time I tried to move, it moved along the side of the bed, and it sat on my chest, and I couldn't get up. And the youngest then goes, well, was that a couple of weeks ago? And, and, and they're just talking, you know, as a matter of fact. You know, it's like standing in line at the grocery store, you know, and choosing your pack of gum the way that they were talking about it. And he's like, well, yeah, I saw it. And he goes, I was going to get up, but he goes, I'd have to walk past your bed. He goes, and it looked at me. He goes, he goes, reading the way in hell, I was going to get up. He goes, I love you, brother, but I wasn't going to get up. I was like, all right, guys. You know, I said, you know, can you see through these things? They're like, well, yeah, kind of. You know, and then at that point, that's when we all started talking about it. I had explained, you know, what I had been seeing and how I've, you know, I've had them in my room, I've had them in the corner of the room to where I could actually see if, I don't want to say they're like tentacles, but it's almost like fabric coming off of the shadow itself that would like envelop the entire room. Well, the oldest had seen something similar to that. And, you know, so we continued to talk, and then Amy, my wife at the time, she's like, well, those were the things that she used to go through um, when she was a child. She used to talk about, you know, waking up you know, feeling a dark presence on her and then not being able to see anything in front of her but being able to see, you know, maybe a light coming through the door to her left and maybe a, an alarm clock on the right-hand side but never being able to see anything in front of her and being so scared that she couldn't move, couldn't scream, you know, couldn't sit up or do anything and always felt like it was something holding her shoulders down. You know, and it was that moment, you know, that night that, you know, it was like all of us were talking about it, and then it just kind of became sort of a, a matter-of-fact thing with all of us. And we've continued to see them up until um, I left the house um, about the 16th of December. You know, but oh. about three days before that, I had seen it, and I went back to pick up some more stuff last week and talking to Chris, and he's like, yeah, it's back, but it pretty much just stays in the corner of the room. It hasn't been the same because... The other son has been, you know, away with his uh, biological father, so he thinks that he's just standing over there waiting for him. Pretty crazy. Jeff, watershed moment. Mine? Uh, wow. Birth? <laughs> uh, no, I think it would be, it would probably be the event I've talked about a lot, which is the one with uh, Lisa and I up in, uh, up in the country in the truck. I think that would probably be I don't know if you could call that watershed, but it's certainly the one that kicked off uh, my adulthood into this, I suppose. Probably, <clears throat> excuse me, probably for for the most part, it's what kind of kicked me into gear to start looking closer at, at my own stuff. Because I wasn't particularly enthralled nor fascinated with the whole abduction experience uh, as it was flooding out in the media at the time. And uh, I, I don't know. I, I kind of more or less blew it off and said, "Well, that's you know, that's people just trying to do one better than a photograph or a, a video or just a straight up sighting." You know, they've been on it, so of course that's going to be the next <clears throat> the next step up. And I kind of 
blew that off. I thought, well, how ridiculous is that? And, uh, and of course, when we had that experience up there, when I first met my research partner, um, you know, he said to me, I, w- I want you to sit down and, and write down every strange thing in your life that you can't explain. And, <laughs> well, there you are. There's the watershed. Uh, because pretty much at that point, that's when I started writing down some odd things that I couldn't quite put my finger on, which included, you know, driving home from Ocean City, Maryland, and ended up in uh, the southern tip of Ohio, and the, the the lights and the black sheets above my, you know, on my bed, and all that sort of thing from, from childhood on. And I, I, I don't know, I Wait, guess... When you were you know, a kid and you were experiencing that, were you able to say to yourself, oh, this is, my, my mom and dad are right, this is just dreams? No, I, in fact, I was positive that it wasn't. I didn't know... I didn't know what it was. Um, I mean, there was no point of reference for me at that point. I, I didn't know what was going on, uh, even at uh, the event at age nine, where I had the thing come up and clap in my face. Uh, I, I didn't know what that was uh, until years and years later when uh, uh, I, I'm, I'm fairly sure. I mean, I say this all the time, but I'm, I have a hard time remembering it because I I did freak out in a public place, and uh, which is pretty much unlike me to do that but i think uh i think lisa and i were at the mall and there was a the stereotypical picture of a gray oh excuse me uh, and i'm pretty sure it was communion i'm pretty sure it was that cover and i uh i almost fell down the up, up escalator because i was like that 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 that's it that's it that that right there you know and just promptly freaked out and thought i was going to pass out to be honest with you and it was that point i we got out into the parking lot, and I said, "I'm one of those people. I'm you don't get it. I'm one of those people." And and you know, it wasn't until we got home that Lisa said, "You know, you've seen something that looked like that." And I said, "Yeah, I was nine years old. I saw that. Um, you know, something very, very similar to that." So I think that was probably at the point where I said, "You know, not only am I interested in this stuff, and not only have we seen strange things, but..." It seems that it's a lot more involved with my life, with my life than I thought it was. So uh, I, I would have to say that's probably the watershed point right there. I guess for me, obviously, the big UFO sighting in eighth grade, and, and that had all the synchronicities with it that made it felt like a sort of prearranged thing. So that was um, the not only is this strange event happening, but it's all controlled, and so your life is not going to be the same again kind of thing. Um, and then... I had an, another watershed moment, which was when that when I just went silent and this energy starts moving the body around, and it's like, okay, now you've got the second operating system that's not your will inside your body. Well, that's, again, your life is not going to be the same again after this, you know? So I think, I think one for childhood and one for adulthood. Mm-hmm. Um, Core has another question, which is, what leads people to further be convinced of their paranormal experiences... I'm dealing with grammar here. Are connective threads with other people's experiences? Uh, what are some of the biggest connective threads that further validated your own personal experiences? Um, hmm. What leads people to further be convinced? Well, I guess he's asking, convinced that there par- that there are connective threads between people's experiences, and what are the connective threads that validate ours? Hmm. Well, let me ask Deidre, as an outside listener, um, of the various things that we've. Tr- tried to say there seem to be connective threads uh, regarding our experiences or just the paranormal in general with, you know, 
uh, DMT or, you know, ghosts and aliens, all that stuff. Um, what do you find valid in all of that? Is there anything that rings true there, or do you think that these are all separate issues? Um, I was actually writing a question to you guys that was sort of asking the same thing. Um, <clears throat> there seems to be a lot of talk lately um, about there being connections between UFO sightings or um, different kinds of experiences. Um, cryptozoology stuff somehow gets slumped into UFO things sometimes. Um, I guess my feeling is that I don't know that I'm comfortable with having so many connections. It seems like there's a, a need to kind of throw everything into the pot and see and, and make it connect, and I'm not entirely comfortable um, seeing it that way. Am I answering the question correctly? Yeah, I think so. I mean, you're okay. saying you, you, you're sick of the unified everything principle. Right, every, yeah, <laughs> the grand unified theory. And, and I think some stuff is definitely can connect, but um, with like numerology and things like that, I, I'm, I'm hesitant to throw too much in there because for me, I think it's, it just confuses things more. You kind of can get into too many different tangents. And so I try to like to look at things separately and they may or may not be connected in the end, but for me to be able to try to discern any kind of sense out of them, I need to sort of look at them differently. Mm-hmm. Um, also, I want to add something. I didn't understand your last question because I'm a dork. Um, I thought you were asking <laughs> involved in the paranormal in a professional sense, and I'm not. But I have had a significant number of experiences in my life and have continued, although they've tapered off. Well, after. What, was the, uh, what was the watershed moment for you? Um, I don't have a specific watershed because there's been, definitely been some that have been more potent, I guess, than others. But um, the most significant thing, the first time that I ever noticed that something was odd was when I was young. I was probably around four and um, I would wake up after sleeping in my room, and I would have the typical kind of paralysis where you couldn't move. Um, but I would be able to look and see things around my room, and in the dim light, I could see things moving. Um, I wasn't sure what they were. I couldn't make them out, and that terrified me even more. And then I'd sort of reawaken again, and everything would look just like it did a few moments earlier. But that kind of fear would be gone, and I would suddenly be able to move. Um, that happened probably for a couple of years, maybe a couple times a year. Um, and I think that was probably my introduction into everything. Um, since then, I've seen, like uh, someone mentioned, shadow people, things out of the corner of your eyes. I've had plenty of things like that. And those always irritate me because you're never quite sure if you saw something. You're pretty sure. But you don't know what it is, and you don't know, well, maybe it's you know, probably just my eyes. Same thing with waking up in your bedroom in the dark. You know, a lot of your eyes can play a lot of tricks on you, but there have been moments where definitely something was wrong. Um, strange lights that were suddenly in my room or in weird glow, um, things like that. So, What do you that. guys, any, anyone can answer this, I guess. Uh, what do you make of sleep paralysis? I mean, people would just chalk most of this stuff up to sleep paralysis. What does that mean? I mean, does anyone actually know if there's any scientific, I don't know, explanation for what sleep paralysis is other than to say that word instead of having to deal with paranormal? (laughs) Um, I've heard about it. I've heard about the term not too long ago, and it came up in a thread I was reading about abduction, and someone said, well, it's sleep paralysis. Um, I had never heard about it before then. I don't know if there's any real validity to it or if there's, you know, if it's in some science textbook somewhere that says 
that that actually occurs. Personally, what I experienced, I don't think it was something like sleep paralysis. I think it was something else, but yeah. Yeah, I just I just wonder if it just seems like the the definitions are real flimsy. It's like, oh, it's sleep paralysis. So what happens? You're paralyzed for a few seconds, you feel fear, you hallucinate something and then it goes away and voila, you think you've been in contact with some sort of entity, but but just explaining the components to a recipe and then saying voila, that's that's the end result. Well, no, those are actually the components of that's the recipe, but that's that's not what was baked. You know what I mean? Like I, I just don't know that that actually explains it. I, I but maybe it does. I mean, maybe somebody knows. Um, Jody, have you in in all of your readings have you read like a really clear definition of sleep paralysis? Uh, I was going to say look it up on WebMD, but I think for the people that are skeptics, they use that a lot as a cop out, just kind of like everything swamp gas and weather balloons too. I'd like to interject with that one real quick, I mean, because that um, it almost gets lumped in with, um, with what was it uh, when you guys are you know talking about the crop circles. You've got the the obvious hoax, you know, that's going to be proven as you know broken stocks done with a stick. But then you get the other ones who have this molecular bend, at, you know, that can't be explained. You know, but that gets thrown out. You know, you know, it's like throwing the baby out with the with the wash water. It just it's the validity of it means nothing to anybody at that point. You know, so the same like when I wake or when I have woken in the past, you know, with the uh, sleep paralysis, it I am woken by a fear that's deep inside, and when I open my eyes, generally I see something first, and before I even have a chance to react. It is on my chest, and usually it's holding my arms down. You know, so it's, I mean, that, that's just like any of us trying to explain to anyone else that, well, I was awake. Well, how do you know you're awake? I mean, I know I was freaking awake. You know, <laughs> I, I just know that. I mean, it's just like I, I, I can't validate that to someone who perhaps is more of a skeptic. They're just, you know, they, they already have predetermined that, well, this is what it is. It fits this group. It's like, well, no. Until you've woken with this fear of having something stare. And that's, I mean, anyone who listens to this who is a parent, they know when a child is sick. Can it be proven scientifically? Not necessarily. I know when one of our boys were sick and they walk into our room. I'm asleep, but I wake immediately. I know who's in the room, you know. So, you, you know, it can't be explained. But when that's happening and you wake because you feel something staring at you, and then when you open your eyes, it's not one of your kids. Right. And that, that, that moment of recognition, it is on your chest, and it almost feels like it's trying to climb into your chest and be part of you or take something from you, I mean, it's just, you, you, you can't explain that, you know, but because there's, you know, I don't have any sort of scientific equation that I can throw at somebody who will make it believable, it just gets thrown out with the rest. I mean, that's just, you know, that, and that's something that I, I find so frustrating, you know, because anybody, you know, like the stuff that um, Jeff has seen um, is what kind of helped bring me out into feeling like I wasn't so alone. The distortions 
that I can see, you know, staring at a wall, uh-huh. you know, or something that I've seen for years but couldn't explain to anybody. You know, it's just, it's almost like it's liquid. It's almost like watching the white noise on mm-hmm. a television. You know, if you stare at it long enough, it all starts. You know, there's something between you and the wall. There's this happening, right. and you know, we see these. You know, and my wife tripped over one. Uh, mm-hmm. We had this a, a distortion ball. That's all I can call it. It's about the size of a football, and we thought it was a cat. But, you know, our cat is white, and this thing was just like a grayish distortion that um, I've seen before, and I've just, you know, get up early in the morning, you don't want to deal with shit. You know, it's just been a long night. You get up, there it is in a goddamn hallway, or you're walking down the steps, and it's coming up at you. I just move away from it. Uh-huh. The wife sees it, she screams, and she jumps. You know, and then she looks at me, and she goes, what the fuck was that? I'm like, I don't know. What did you just see? She goes, well, I thought it was the cat. I'm like, was it that gray ball of shit again? And she's like, yes, I wish you would do something about it. I'm like, I don't know what I can do about that. She goes, well, none of this stuff, you know, these fuzzy little things that run around through the house, and the thing that stands next to my bed has never happened until you came back into my life. I'm like, well, apparently it's attached to me. You're I'm welcome. sorry. I, you're welcome. <laughs> I have baggage. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, and here's the other thing about anything that's, you know, getting back to sleep paralysis. That, that seems to be the go-to answer for most skeptical people out there. The, the problem is, is that when you're talking about hypnagogic or hypnopompic paralysis, that is more often than not something that you can break. I know I've, I, I've had it fairly recently where, uh, you know, I'm listening to a podcast and, and I kind of drift off to sleep and then I wake back up because I feel the onset of paralysis coming. And usually it starts in my left arm. Uh, and I realize that, you know, I'm going to pull the blankets over uh, on my left side and I realize, well, my arm won't move. And that immediately sets me into why the fuck won't my arm move? Uh, which then sends an adrenaline surge to my brain, which makes me freak out, and I jump <laughs> real suddenly, and I, I'm breaking. I break out of it. Uh, I've also had it where I've woke up in the middle of the night, and uh, and have been paralyzed. For, I'd say from the waist down, and that again, I can lay there and literally will myself out of that. I can wake myself out of that hypnopompic state because I know what's going on. Uh, I would say that it's wholly different from anything that is, uh, I mean, f- for that matter, I mean, I don't have paralysis at the onset of any sort of experience anymore. I'm I'm usually quite okay when it comes to that nowadays. But uh, I would say back in, uh, I don't know, the mid-80s, uh, early 90s, I would say there was quite a bit of that going on, but it certainly wasn't anything like sleep paralysis. This was more like somebody directly telling you, don't move. (laughs) And you just listen because you can't not listen. Uh, I I, I don't think it has anything to do with that. I mean, I I kind of think back to uh, when my son was born, we were, uh, my wife and I both were very concerned with what was going on in the house and, and outside the house at the time when he was born in 92. And uh, I remember that uh, 
uh, and, and I probably I probably haven't talked about this stuff before, but somebody mentioned the the distortions in the air. You know, I used to see those as as humps, uh, small you know arcs, if you will, uh, that are really visible in corners more than anywhere else. I noticed over the years that uh, more often than not they were in corners of the room, moving towards corners of the room or out of corners of the room. Did you ever find them deaf to be sharper through your peripheral vision or your direct vision? Oh, uh, no, direct, definitely. Okay. Although I would see, I see more peripherally these days than I used to. I haven't seen the humps in the air in, in quite some time. And those usually would be accompanied with some sort of light phenomena of some sort that, that most people who visited the house at one time or another saw. But my, my research partner, when I began telling him about these, he... He had said to me, uh, you should try to think something at them. And then that happened. I did that. And I did that actually at work. I was at work alone. My dad had gone up to get lunch, and uh, we worked in the same building. Uh, so I was alone. And uh, and I saw one essentially floating up near the ceiling. Uh, and I worked in a, I don't know, it was probably a 20, 25-foot-tall ceiling in this in this shop that I worked in, and I saw what looked like uh, a, a very thin person in which the light that was on it was not reflective of the light that was that should be from the environment that I was in. It seemed like it was a separate light source that I couldn't see. And when I thought something to it, I definitively heard something back, um, which is shocking uh to 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 you, you you hear a voice in your head anytime you are thinking about someone or you're thinking about work or you're laying in bed at night thinking to yourself but to hear something else in there that's not you is starting crazy I, I mean it's frightening um uh and and that went on i would say for a good couple of weeks and at the point that uh you know i told my wife i said i think things at these things and i hear someone and she said well do you see any now and i saw them all the time i mean this was not like an isolated event they were around all the time and she said to me you know well i'm going to think something and i want you to tell me what you hear back that's really the test and then i said well yeah let's let's do that and so she thought something and she says okay i'm done and before she got those words out i said uh we would never let anything happen to him he's very important to us and she started crying, and she said she wanted to know uh, if they were there for my son and, and were they going to hurt him. And so at that point, I knew that something was going on with him. I think probably a couple of nights later, I went to go into his, his, uh, you know, his, his baby room to check on him. He was still in the crib, and um, there was someone bent over the crib. I could see clearly in the light that was coming in from outside. There was someone there, and he was cooing and ooing and on, and uh, not crying, but seemed happy. And I guess the only way really to explain it is that it, I don't remember it looking up at me. I don't even remember it moving, to be honest with you. I saw maybe a shoulder and an arm move back and forth inside the crib. That was the most definitive thing that I could see. But then I got, and it's, it's very hard to explain that there's no voice, and there's no face to i mean we communicate through the face and and through the voice and that's how we determine anger and and happiness and all these things 
I don't know how to accurately really describe how it conveyed this, but it was almost like through gnashed teeth that it would say, go out and sit down. And it wasn't, it wasn't go out and sit down. It was go out and sit down, you know, that kind of thing. And so I turned around, I went out and sat down. (laughs) Uh, What else am I going to (laughs) do? Right. Uh, And so, you know, when you tell somebody something like that, who's a skeptic, they, they don't know where to go. And the first thing that comes to mind is, well, you were in a hypnopompic state. You probably didn't even go into your son's room. You were probably asleep in the chair the whole time, uh, which I know just simply wasn't true. So I think we're, I think not only are, you know, we as the people involved in looking into these things and talking about them, finding that the skeptics' arguments are falling a little flat, I think that judging by what I've seen on Larry King the past couple of weeks uh, with the uh, uh, life after death uh, or NDE experiences that people have had, science is now finding these skeptical ex- you know, excuses a little flat. I think science is slowly starting to come around to seeing a bigger picture here and maybe not being quite as dismissive as they, as they have been in the past. I think maybe part of that with the science is just that now that the um, I don't know a lot about it, but it's the, the quantum physics are starting to be more and more, you know, you're hearing a lot more about it. So there's a lot more into that. And I think a lot of that, a lot more closely relates and opens up a lot of doors for, you know, the paranormal to kind of eke its way in there because it does open possibilities for things that, you know, Newtonian science just didn't, you know, allow to happen. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, there might be some hope for us. Well, I tell you, something else that's that's come to mind in I don't know the past couple of weeks is that you know a lot of people want to really down a lot of the paranormal TV that's on these days, and a lot of it is garbage. Let's admit that. But I think what that's done for the population at large is that it's made people incredibly open to talk about some of the weird shit that they've seen over the course of their life. Uh, oh, absolutely. I, I know a couple of, of people, you know, I'm, I'm pretty close with that. Uh, I mean, five years ago, there's no way they would have entertained talking about something like this, uh, whether it be a ghost or, or aliens or UFOs or any of that sort of thing. Now, all of a sudden, this is like a common course of conversation at Christmas dinner or, you know, um, at, at a family get-together, you know, the, the topic will often turn to, hey, did you watch Ghost Hunters last week? I mean, no, sure. I think a lot of that is, has opened up a lot of doors for that. So in a way, I have to, I have to say it's a good thing. Um, and then, like you say, the quantum physics stuff is genuinely putting a weird bend on a lot of things that now I think a lot of scientists are starting to go, huh. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> well, yeah, because they're, they're seeing that, them, that themselves that the quantum physics theories are kind of paranormal in themselves. You know, cause oh yeah, a lot of it's a lot of shit just written down on paper that you know. Okay, so the mathematicians can agree, mm-hmm. but you know, for the layman, it's just like, well, that's not too far of a stretch. And then, like you're saying, you know, with all the stuff that's paranormal on TV, I mean, I used to get pissed about it, you know, because there were certain shows, I mean, I, I watch UFO Hunters, you know, I enjoyed watching, I was able to separate the Hollywood from the truth and, you know, and see it for what it was, and I liked to see it just because it was something 
different. You know, and then even, God, what, what is that one? Uh, Ghost Adventures. <laughs> My God, that thing is a, it's a train wreck. <laughs> you know, but the yeah. funny thing is, is that you can use that to help, you know, for me anyway, to gain some leverage because I can use, you know, I, I brought that up when it, first, cause when it first came out, the first couple episodes, like, well, Zach is definitely a tool. But right. he, he was getting something. Now, again, that whether you know you, you take it as, you know, that's just a Hollywood twist or was he really getting stuff? I mean, I, I don't know. I'm not the editor. But right. it, it, it appeared that I was seeing stuff that made me think. It was like, well, it's not a whole lot different than what I've seen. Mm-hmm. And then for people on the outside of that who aren't too interested in it who see it and go, wow, that's some crazy shit. And then it reminds them, and then they start talking about things that happened to him. You know, I worked in a shop with, um, you know, 12 guitar techs. So we're, we're talking artistic types who are open to just about anything, and God, some of the conversations, we, we couldn't even air the conversations on Parentopia. Right. You know, but I'll bring up stuff, and you know, like with one guy, you know, one guy, he's like, he watches the same stuff I do. I said, did you catch that episode? And he's like, yeah, I did. And next thing you know, Everyone else is making comments, and then someone's like, you know what, dude, that's crazy, because I remember growing up when I was a kid, and you, you just start hearing the right. stories, and it just right. it makes you think, it's like, you know, everyone has seen this, yeah. but most dismissed it, and, you know, it's, I think it's starting to come around, and, you know, where it's going to go, I mean, maybe that's going to be 2012 for us, and it's all over, I don't know, but, <laughs> yeah. Christ, oh yeah, everyone comes to a realization, if this shit is real, and that's it, the end of the world, and... Right, Jeremy we get it. Talking about Avatar. <laughs> <laughs> well, right. let me um, interrupt here and just say that Roscoe has emailed me his real phone number. Should I call him, or is has his ship sailed? You know, we should probably put a uh, a voice or a, yeah, voice to the name because I want to know who's been like putting all this gross shit up on the website that I can't even seem to keep up with. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's see if he's disgusting on the phone. Hey there. This is Dr. Richard Boylan, and when I'm not hot-tubbing with people I've convinced are alien abductees or getting massaged by the suction cup fingertips of the Martians to whom I'm ambassador, I'll listen to Paratopia. And you should, too. Kid, seriously, this is, this is not a kiddie pool. Stop pissing. Stop! Paratopia, Roscoe, uh, whose real name is John Rouse, but you know Ms. Roscoe on the message board, uh, has kindly joined us, so the round table grows rounder. Roscoe, uh, thank you very much. Do you, do you prefer Roscoe or, or John in everyday conversation? <laughs> um, uh, J- J- John is fine, yeah. I, I can, yeah, as long as we're not in court. I, I, um, John, John Rouse is the name on my birth certificate, and that's a, a, a legal fiction that I don't identify with in court. I, yeah, well, you've, seen, I, you've seen a lot of court dates <laughs> in your day, have you? <laughs> Only a court of public yeah, I, opinion, I, I, my I, friend. Like, it's not judges in traffic court. <laughs> I have a question for everybody. I want to know, uh, I know that not all of you have heard every episode that we've done, but I'm curious, um, going right down the line, starting with Deidre, who would be the, the guest that we've had on that you think has been the best show, the best, uh, or, or that you got the most out of? I liked the last guy you had on, the last episode you had on. I, I, a lot of the points you brought up were pretty uh, consonant with some of my own uh, 
thoughts and feelings. You're not Tidra. <laughs> I was going to say, wait a minute. <laughs> wow. Tidra, who do you think? All right, so hold on a second. Um, I think I like the, the last one. <clears throat> was it the Tim Benall episode? <clears throat> that oh, was my okay. favorite because um, I sort of like how it was just raw. Um, his opinions, actually a lot of your opinions, are similar to mine. Um, and I like, there wasn't really a structure. I was, everyone kind of just going for it. And that's my favorite sort of um, setup for discussions. Beyond that, I think, um, believe it or not, Nancy Burns, because it, it was interesting to get her take on everything. You know, my personal yeah. opinions of, of um, her husband aside. Um, it was it was touching to see, you know, especially her concern for how, you know, her, her husband is treated. And it kind of gave it, you know, a little bit of insight into the Burns family. So I like that one. Yeah. Uh, Roscoe, did you mean Greg Sams, the uh, the Son of God guy? Yeah, yeah, the guy. Um, I don't, I, I didn't see on the uh, the comments on it, but that's a uh, quote from Crowley that uh, synchronistically turned up on me today, and where he says something along the line that uh, all ye are stars, like that's the ultimate point of yeah. conscious evolution is to become a star. Mm-hmm. Jody, what about you? I like. Uh, I listened to the Gregory Sams at work, and I couldn't really pay attention to him. I definitely want to go back and listen to him because I'm, I'm of the camp that the uh, sun is conscious and uh, affects a lot of what we do. Um, I like. I went back and listened to the uh, Lakota perspective. Um, the more I go on, the more I start finding myself connecting with what the uh, indigenous cultures of the earth are saying, uh, which is how we've strayed away from a lot of how they operate. I think a lot of people mainstream-wise look down at them because they were, quote, primitive, but I'm, I really respect the connection that they have to each other and to the Earth. Mm-hmm. Um, I like the uh, medium. Was her name Lane Crosby? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. The one that could see uh, your kids sit in the corner with the green shirt. Yeah. I got a lot from that one, too. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. I'm kind of going backwards and listening to everything because only, I've only been around for about two or three weeks, but I love everything. I, I like it all. Oh, Great. Sweet. <laughs> Job well done, Jeff. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, okay, Alan? Um, who is that one douchebag that you guys fried? Oh, wait a minute. That's different. and I'm right here. <laughs> Oops, that, that was a different one. Um, God, you know, I, I've listened to, I've been on board with you guys since day one. Um, I don't think there's a single one that I haven't liked. But I think the one that's probably left the most impression was, uh, what was it, um, in the episode 38 with, uh, was it Tiokasin Ghost Horse? Tiokasin. Tiokasin, right. Tiokasin, there you go. Yeah, that that was um, a huge, a huge perspective. Um, growing up in northern Michigan, being around a lot of, um, you know, the, the Chippewas, and um, I have attended quite a few um, of the... Uh, uh, powwows, if you will, and um, had had the honor to spend plenty of time um, with some of the elders, and it's it's an amazing perspective that the uh, the Native Americans have on our culture. It's just yeah. it's it's phenomenal, and to hear his you know what they're saying, I mean, it's it, it can be easily dismissed by the naive, but anybody who's ever walked any sort of spiritual path, you know, that guy's the real deal, mm-hmm. absolutely. Yeah, well, you guys are in luck because we're interviewing Barbara Three Crow about the Kogi, uh, so that'll be coming up soon. 
Well, that's about time. That's been going on for a while, hasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> as far as your, your relationship with them? Yeah, that's well, cool. Yeah, my relationship, her relationship, really. I don't, I don't really have one. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking no forward to that. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff, what's your, what's, what did you connect with the most? Oh, Colin Andrews. Really? More so than Dennis McKenna? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, Dennis, um, <laughs> I, I love Dennis. Don't get me wrong. I mean, and and talking to him on the phone for like three hours one day was like a, a complete dream come true for me because, uh, you know, I mean, there's a guy who's walked the walk and, and, and pretty much walked the walk with, with Terrence uh, throughout all of their adventures together. So it was great to be able to, to, to do that. But I think... I think as neat as that was uh, to talk to him, I think when you get into a conversation with somebody like Colin and the air changes, yeah. I think that that is when, for me, that uh, that you're getting to something real. You're getting to something um, really deep. And, uh, and that, for me, was the one that, that set me off. I mean, I really came away from that show not only mildly weirded out, but uh, uh, definitely feeling like what we were talking about was getting closer to the crux of some issue, whether it's the issue or not. I don't know. You know, can I buy Val? Uh, but, I, you know, it, it certainly seemed to touch a nerve. And and uh, and whenever that happens, you know, that that's what tends to get me off when it comes to this stuff. I mean... Uh, I, I think Dennis was great, and I would put that a definite second uh, to to Colin. Mm-hmm. I think um, having Whitley Strieber be our first guest, yeah, and to have had him be the first guest on Culture Contacts, just the, the fact that he did that twice, yeah, was you know brings a tear to my eye. <laughs> well, he's such a hell of a nice guy. I mean, you know, despite the fact that when he came on, he. <laughs> wanted to kill himself. Yeah, well, there was that, but uh, so there's that, and then I think having the you know Philippe Mora, the director of Communion, yes. on was a trip. But I, ultimately, I've got to agree. I think Colin Andrews, because it was it was multi-dimensional. It was like we had this conversation, and then we had almost sort of outside confirmation that that we were having real discussion about something right. real and important. Yeah. I mean, my back was healed for Christ's sake. That makes no sense, you know. Um, Is your back still good, Jer? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's not 100%. It was never healed to what it was uh, prior to this energy. I mean, essentially, my back went out when this energy welled up in my body years ago. And it hasn't right. been the same since then. And, I've, and it's completely my fault for letting it deteriorate. But, but for the few weeks prior to this event, I mean, it was... You know, unlivable. I had one of those, you know, heating pads that you wear around like a belt and, and was on, you know, Advil or whatever. So uh, it went back to, to you know, completely healed from that perspective, you know. Okay. Like I can sit up and, and I'm fine. But I guess what I'm saying is, knowing me, I'll probably screw it up again. Like it's not, nothing is, uh, you know, I'm not Superman here. I'm not completely fixed. Um so yeah, you just so have to have a reoccurring guest in about every six months to make your back better. Yeah, I know. I know. See what else heals. <laughs> well, we're, we're having Colin back on pretty soon. I think um, probably within the next I don't know half dozen episodes. I hope to get him back on. Yeah, yeah, um, and that was a phenomenal conversation. It's interesting. I had my mom listen to it 
Uh, and she was saying, wow, you know, you can feel the energy. And she said there's something about his voice. There's something about the tone of his voice or the way he, just the waver in his voice, the way he speaks. It's brutal honesty. Yeah, there's something it, I mean, that's that really, does create yeah. an energy for her, yeah. at least. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so I guess we'll open it up to you guys if you have any questions for us or for the panel. Um, I have a question. Sure. So this has probably been answered a number of times before, but um, both of you are very public about your experiences with high strangeness. And so I was wondering what kind of backlashes that has had in your personal life, if any, and um, do you have any, or, you know, your professional careers too, and do you have any regrets with attaching your names to uh, these fields? <laughs> those, are, those are completely different questions. <laughs> Go ahead, Jer. Um, professionally, none, no, no problems. Um, personally, mm, not really. I mean, the, the personal problems would have been there anyway. I think it's just, it's just the kind of thing like when you have friends and family who just go, "Oh, that's just Jer," and they ignore it. And then they're confronted with, like, a movie premiere or the fact that you're writing a book or for a magazine or something. Um, then, right. then it's like, oh, wait, you're really talking about this. You're crazy. <laughs> yeah. Well, not even, not even you're crazy because, actually, they've all come around to basically saying, I believe you, so I'm going to believe you. As my friend Dan said, I'm going to believe you um, until I see proof to the contrary. Because, you know, he knows I'm sane and, and he knows I'm not lying. So until there's some scientific evidence for some other explanation, um, he'll believe me. And he's the one, I don't know if any of you have seen the movie, but on the, the roommate commentary track, I mean, he's the one who's really uh, digging into it the most. So I feel if I can win the hearts and minds of one Dan Matiza and uh, my mother Mary Vaney, <laughs> I'm doing okay. Um, so, but in terms of having my name associated with this stuff, I don't know. I go back and forth on that. I kind of, I guess I take the Howard Stern approach as, as he does with radio, which is that radio is such, so easy to dominate because it's so run by, by morons and unfunny people that you can look like a, a genius just by being a little bit above subpar just by being par. <laughs> so I, I, you know, in that sense, I feel like. Like I'm helping ufology out just by existing in it. <laughs> how about how about that for arrogant? <laughs> but then when I see something yeah, like that's almost I an all-time low. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. When I see like you this know, one, I thought you couldn't go any lower. <laughs> when, when I go to like like above top secret or you know book a toth or any of these message boards that promote such free discussion that that people with with um, just no clue how to formulate a question or 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 that just are suckered in by obvious cons i mean when i see all of that stuff and i think ah my people you know that bothers me <laughs> so it's in that sense yeah you know uh, my people <laughs> wow. i think i hear their short bus rolling up <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah uh well yeah, for me, not so good. I, I mean, there's plus and minuses, I'm sure, to everything that that you do in this. Uh, I, 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 I mean, I, I look back on all the time that I spent with this crap for 23 years now, and it makes me, it does kind of make my stomach turn to a certain point when I consider the amount of money that I've spent on, uh, and time, really, uh, spent on 
looking at other cases, talking to other people, setting up uh, support groups, and, and going out on cases. It it did destroy my marriage um, back in 2001 or 2000, and, and it recovered from that. But that was, I think, a lot of what George Hansen had to say on the program when he came on about the uh, the obsessive nature, the notion that the paranormal doesn't respond well to order or to uh, routine, and it's not good for relationships. And I think that's that's wholly true. You know, whatever that is, why that is, well, that's not a productive question to ask, is it now? Why? Uh, so, uh, <laughs> you know, it, it did do that. I mean, when you're a guy with a two-year-old son and you're getting calls at three o'clock in the morning that require you to drive 45 minutes away because there's a sighting going on and somebody wants you there. Um, and I did it. And then you try to hold down uh, a business. It's not easy. And, uh, and so a lot of times I think, I think for, I don't know, a good three to four to five years, I was probably hardcore obsessed based on, a, a desire to know what the hell was going on with me. Why me? Why did I have this happen? Why don't other people? I've lost a lot of friends from it, friends that weren't at all interested in it, but saw things in our house, uh, saw things when we would go out. And then, you know, when I would say, look, the reason you see these flashes of light, the reason you see people walking into my bathroom and <laughs> that aren't there is because. X and I would lay it out for him, and then we wouldn't see them anymore. As far as professionally, I tend to think it it hasn't had that big a, a, an impact on that. But I will say that um, there have been times where I've questioned if it has held me back from doing any sort of government work. I know for a fact that it it, it uh, disrupted my wife's work. Believe it or not, we really kept. As far as the workplace went, we kept this mum. We did not talk about this. I was not. The internet at this point was fledgling. It was barely a, a you know any sort of entity at all. I think at this point I was probably working for sightings on AOL. I knew that my wife was going for security clearance, and he. I, I went to pick Lisa up from work one day, and he called us both into the office, and he said, "You know, Lisa's going for a security clearance." And he says, I can tell you that I'm very apprehensive about sending this. And when she asked why, he said, it's because of what your husband is into. I don't think they're, they're, that they're going to approve your, your, your security clearance. And he had no idea of what was going on, but he did know what was going on. So it, it's a mixed bag. By the same token, how would I have met any of you people? How would I have met Jeremy? Um, how would I be doing this show where... You know, we are digging into some of this stuff. So it's got its pluses and minuses, but I think, you know, by and large, it's a deficit. Jeff, do you think that you're inevitably here? Like, I feel that even if I had stuck with television and writing and all that, that I inevitably would have written about my own experiences at least. You know, I probably wouldn't have ended up at UFO Magazine and all that snowball effect, but I definitely would have written a book about my experiences. So in some sense, I am inevitably here, whether I, you know, want to be or not. <laughs> if that makes well, yeah, sense. I mean, I think I couldn't – I mean, I heard somebody recently say, you know, the, the people that don't talk about this is, are the people that are really having experiences, and those who want to talk about it outwardly are not. And I think that's absurd. Uh, I think when you have this happen to you, 
uh, and you realize that something is going on and other people see it, and it's not just you, if you can qualify all those different aspects of it, that it's very hard to keep your mouth shut. And so you either get pigeonholed into thinking uh, or, or pigeonholed that other people think that you're crazy uh, or you try to carry yourself in a really honest way and try not to attach every sort of every sort of tangent phenomena onto this. If you can remain skeptical of your own experiences and let people know that, and in turn be skeptical of everything that comes towards you out of this phenomenon. That's where it gets, that is where it gets difficult. Uh, yeah. Because once, once you realize it's real, it's, you start getting suspicious of everything. And um, yeah, I, I've personally experienced that period of that prolonged period of deep paranoia where it almost felt like everything around me was looking at me. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there, there. Yeah, there. I mean, and, and it sounds crazy, uh, but there are points in your life where you have to really pull it back. And, and and I'm lucky in the in the aspect that I had people like Bruce McAbee telling me, when you see things like this, you've got to take a step back and and look at this through normal eyes and say, what what am I seeing? What is going on? How else could I explain this? Um, and, and I do that. Uh, you know, a great deal of the time. I mean, it's, uh, I, I mean, for me in the past, you know, three months, four months, it's gotten extraordinarily in your face. Uh, yeah. When, it, when it happens, does happen. It's been happening with me a lot with just synchronicity, just like having yeah. a conversation and say a radio or a television is on uh-huh. and myself or another person in a conversation will say a word and the same word will immediately happen on the television. <laughs> Or right. I'm reading, and I read a word, and the same word is said aloud. Yeah, it, it, it's it's almost like it reminds me of like a, a form of compression where it's like a uh, say a program, and if there's like one piece of data that has to be used, it's the same piece of data that's used in multiple pieces that all yeah. like reference. Uh, 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 you know, what I'm talking about like like JPEG compression. Yeah. Of reality. <laughs> yeah. 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 And I, and I think I, I explained to Jeremy, I don't know, it's been a couple of weeks ago or more now that I, I caught him up really excited. And I said, this whole thing feels like a feedback loop, Yeah, you know, with a, with a, with a delay pedal on and, you know, and you tap the delay pedal and you hear that to tink, to tink, to tink, to tink. But eventually, you know, as you know, if you turn that, uh, that modulator up, it starts repeating that so fast that that little tink sound doesn't sound like that anymore. It sounds like, you know, a tone. And and these things are kind of like, I think that if we are, you know, putting out something that is resonating elsewhere and whatever the other is, if it's resonating it back at us and that feedback loop continues to increase and continues with frequency, that's when you get synchronicities. That's when you get apparitional. That's when you get manifestations of all these different things. The, the, the word moving across the water, man, from, uh, is it, I think that's John 1, 1, 1, or John 1, verse 1, and beginning with the word. Um, this, I'm going to a synchronicity. You were talking about modulation. Um, when I was listening to the last show, uh, I had uh, Terrence McKenna's voice pop in my head and, and the term modular hierarchy. And right. so I Googled that. And, and, and it's a, a computer programming term. And the most basic 
uh, block of a computer program is a statement. Mm-hmm. Is that not like a word? Right. And that moves up through, um, I, I don't have it right. You can Google it yourself and look at it. But um, it's a computer programming language. It made me think of human consciousness might not be the level of consciousness we're experiencing. might not be like some sort of a, uh, it, it, it's, we're not at the bottom. We're above the level of uh, the basic statement in the program, but we're not at, we're not the ultimate program. We're a uh, some sort of a uh, subset of a uh, higher program. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I can completely see that. Uh, you know, when we start talking about feedback loop or give and take, more you give, more you get, that sort of thing. I mean, I can see that stuff in action just about everywhere. I mean, including right down to ghost hunting or UFO sightings and all of these kind of things. <clears throat> I think the problem is that, and this has become, and, and, and Deidre, this, is, this goes back to your question of, you know, what, what's the plus and minuses? Here's a big minus for me. And that's been like my mantra for the past 12 years has been that this is not what we think it is. This is not mm-hmm. as easy and as cut and dry as, extraterrestrial visitation or dead people coming back to deliver a message or unrestful spirits. This is something bigger. And I think much like Colin Andrews said when he came uh, to talk about the, the crop circles, that this, this has more to do with human consciousness than we can possibly get our heads around. Uh, and the question bears to me is that if consciousness is doing this, and that means that there's someone else at the end of the loop, and who is it? <laughs> and what are they doing? So, I mean, that's that's a big frustration when you go onto another message board and you see, you know, Project Serpo releases, you know, March's update. <laughs> what? Shut up! <laughs> you know? Please shut the fuck up! You don't get it! I mean, you know, that that is the, the biggest frustration in all of this is that you're trying to, or at least I'm trying to, with this program, with, with if everything, I, if I try to write a book or a paper, I'm trying to say, let's, 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 let's clear the decks and look at this thing as it presents itself and not put every attachment onto it that is so pedestrian. It presents in some pretty damn weird ways. Exactly, exactly. But everybody wants to stick it into that same pedestrian you know, human culture bound earth like box and say, I'm thinking outside the box. And you're not thinking outside the box. Because uh, to think outside the box is to uh, take an LSD trip. <laughs> to be at the other end of the feedback loop. Right, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Now there's a round table for you. <laughs> well, take John, that. John, uh, one of the questions we all sort of went down the list with was what was our watershed moment with our experiences what was the the one experience that woke you up in such a way where you could no longer ignore that this stuff was in your life what was it for you it was where me and there there was one before where it was just me and one other person but there was another time where it was myself and one of my best buddies who i've had multiple encounters with but it was all three of us and I, 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 could, I could drag it out and make it a long story, but 
Yeah, don't do that. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll take it right to, right to the climax of the story. This thing came out of the sky and descended upon us. <laughs> um, there was no kind of there, there 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 was no abduction experience, but um, the, the whole day had been weird. But it, we, we were way out in the middle of the boonies, middle of nowhere. And um, th- there was a little, there was a lake where they dammed up the watershed of the the land, and so there's about an acre lake. And we went, and, uh, I just said, uh, hey, let's go hang out by the lake and see if we see any UFOs. We went and sat out, and uh, like as soon as we went out, this like green egg shaped thing, was, uh, it was bigger, about twice as big as a star was going across the sky. And we're like, wow, it's cool. It passed over, and then from, like, the east and west, like, at the speed of, like, fast-shooting stars shot in and hit it. And then it it stopped and turned into a bright light in the sky, like, probably four or five times bigger than Venus. And then out of the woods, just maybe, like, 150 yards away from us, it looked like a rave kicked off. You couldn't see exactly what was going on. It was through the trees, just lights went crazy. Huh. And this thing floated up out of the woods, and it came, like, right down on top of us. I mean, it looked like a freaking uh, circus tent was coming down on us or something. And it uh, just kind of drifted off. Uh, we probably saw it for, like, 15 or 20 seconds. But uh, my brother was, like, completely... Uh, Stupefied, we were me, me and the other guy were gonna drag him and throw him in the pond there to like snap him straight because <laughs> it, 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 it seems like a, a stupid question, but it was like, holy shit, did you see that? <laughs> yeah, and he was just looking up and he was all he would I, I like start, he was just staring at the sky and I was like smacking him in the head and he would just say light. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, that's pretty much the reaction of some people. I mean. But, I mean, this thing, seriously, it came, like, right down. It was probably a 25, 30-foot ball of just, like, there. I, could, I couldn't make out that there was, like, a solid structure to it. It was just, like, this cluster of flashing bright balls of light. Huh. And it got, like, right down on top of us where, I mean, there was, like, one point there where it was just, like, nothing but just white, just like being in a field of white. Wow. And then it drifted off and kept going. And you say this big thing came out basically out of the woods? Yeah, it came out of did, the woods. Did you ever happen like to go back during the daytime and see if there was any effect on the ground? It, it, like, it, 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 yeah, yeah, we walked across. Um, we didn't see anything really on the ground. And it was in, um, there were some neighbors up the way, and it was like kind of in their yard. Huh. But, um, yeah, we, did, we didn't see any evidence on the ground. Wow. Me and one of the guys that saw this one, this was the second time that we'd seen one. We uh, went and tried to investigate the uh, the first time we saw one was at a Garner State Park in Texas. There's a big prominent landmark there called uh, they call it Old Baldy, and landed on top of that. And it looks like whenever it landed. It looks like a two-dimensional triangle. It was orange. It had this odd, like, flat. It almost looked like maybe one of the pylons on a uh, land of the lost. Huh. I'm curious. It, 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 uh, 
it was, just, it was just like this orange triangle thing. But whenever it flew, it would uh, either be like a uh, cluster of three lights, like plasma balls stuck together whenever mm-hmm. it hovered. And then whenever it really flew fast, it would like spin and turn into just a, a single ball of like a white ball. And was was it extraordinary? It, it, like when you when you say it was like shaped almost like a pylon, was it very hard edged or very fuzzy edged? It was kind of hard edged, and okay. it just looked like a triangle. It, it might have been a. I was thinking it might have been a tetrahedron uh-huh. because it was three balls whenever it was hovering around. Whenever it sat on the ground, it literally looks like a, uh, I, I, you know, I'm trying to, like, rationalize it, and, and you have a stupid thought. It, it looked like a uh, canvas tent with a lantern on inside of it. It's kind of orange, like a uh, cigarette butt would glow, like okay. a lantern inside of a canvas tent. Right. But it, it was just like a perfect uh, equilateral triangle. Huh. I, I communicated with it with a flashlight. Huh. Uh, I like flash at it and it would flash back at me and I'd flash three times and it would flash back and oh, then it just sorry. uh poof, it turned back into a ball of light and shot back off in the sky. Interesting. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. but I mean after you see shit like that, I mean your reality is never the same. I mean that's why I listen to shows like this and trying to listen to other people's stories and it trying to trying to figure out what the hell's really going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a little yeah. more. It's a little more than you hear about on the television. Well, I, I can tell you that. I mean, and the reason I ask about it being hard edged or not is, I'll, I'll probably at one point or another have this this friend on. He's he's been on the show before, but he and his daughter were walking in a park, not horribly far from my house. I'd say it's probably maybe a half hour drive or so, and uh, they were walking through a field in the daytime. And he saw what looked like a diamond shape uh, in this field. He said it was clearly uh, lit, glowing, and some distance from him. And uh, he made his child uh, stay put. He started walking towards it. And the way he described it to me was uh, no matter how close he thought he was getting to it, in other words, it should be getting bigger in his field of view as he approached it, uh, mm-hmm. It didn't get any bigger. It always seemed to be the same size, no matter how far he walked, how far he ran towards it. It, it seemed to, to hold its same uh, ratio in size and scale. Um, hmm. And he said at one point he looked back to see his daughter, to see, you know, keep an eye on her. He looked back and it was gone. And, and this area I've since found out is n- not horribly populated with ufo sightings but certainly over the years it's had its fair share of weird stuff uh that's going on in that in that particular spot so that's why i was asking i was just curious in the uh in the grand scheme of things if it had a sharp edge to it or not but but again i mean it's not it it, it was it it was not only was it relatively sharp edge but it looked like it was internally illuminated so i guess it was brighter in the center and you know kind of more dark towards the edges but it was still pretty sharp but it had a a very curious two-dimensional aspect to it yeah that was confusing i'm like what the hell am i looking at here right right that was something that he remarked too was that it seemed to be flat like like just a geometric shape you know Mm -hmm. which of course resonates with me needless to say from the stuff of my childhood with with geometric shape stuff so yeah i mean that's interesting stuff and I would say you probably can't deny it after you've seen stuff like that. 
No, especially when you've seen a little witness. And uh, we're, we're, we're both equally kind of screwed up in the head from seeing it because kind of hostilized, especially when you're up in the South around a bunch of, uh, you know, Southern types. And <laughs> you come back from a camping trip saying, man, we saw, we, we just, uh, communicate with a flashlight. <laughs> right, exactly. They're like this weird, like, blobby thing, and it turned into a triangle, and it turned into a ball, and then it shot off. Stephen Greer, beware. <laughs> right. You've yeah. got competition. Right, yeah, you don't need Steve Greer. Yeah. Um, when I hear stuff like this, especially with the odd geometric shapes, it kind of reminds me of, um, have you ever heard Carl Sagan try to explain what a 3D object might look to a two-dimensional world? Right. Yeah. Where, and so I kind of, I don't know, that just made me think of that. Yeah, yeah. And that's all yeah. I have to say about it. <laughs> Did you see Carl Sagan's uh, recipe for apple pie posted on the forum? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Jody, do you have any questions for the panel? I, I have a, uh, let me propose this to you, and then let me get your feedback on it. I hear you guys talking about looking for an answer. What if the answer to all this is as complicated as trying to describe the Earth? You know, we've got weather systems, we've got ecosystems, we've got plant life, we've got human life. I mean, you can't even describe human beings in a single word. What if, it, um, you know, let's just say aliens are from another planet come down here and they abduct somebody like Charles Manson or Hitler, or they, you know, abduct a Buddhist monk. I mean, you can't pigeonhole... Everything that is going on, I mean, there's just so much evidence, and it's coming from, you know, historically, mythology talked about experiences like this in berries and trolls, and uh, religion sure. talked about it as, as demons and, and angels, and today we're talking about ghosts and, and aliens. What if this whole paranormal, high strangest experience is as complicated as describing the, the culture of Earth, and we're only one planet in billions and billions and billions, you know, and to reinforce that, I, I look at the guests that you guys have on, and all of them seem so sincere. They seem very credible and professional. But they've all got to give a different take on it. Mm-hmm. And then we get all of us together here tonight, and we're all sharing personal experiences, but it's still all different to all of us. Right. I believe there's something to 2012. What it is, I don't know. The end of the earth, I, I don't think so. <laughs> wait, wait, that was all That was all preface for 2012? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. no. <laughs> That was, that was all, please accept what's going to come out of my mouth next. <laughs> <laughs> giving, giving some credibility to the frequency of things, like um, the Lakota ho- uh, guest was talking about, the corn have a sp- specific song that they like. Mm-hmm. Um, hey, speaking of Lakotas and songs, um, check out the Bastard Fairies. You can, get the, you can download their album for free, and their singer is um, Yellow Thunder Woman. She's a Lakota. <laughs> Uh, it's great pop music. I'll shut up. Thank you for that. Uh, now wait. Get, so, what is? I'm I'm trying to figure out if there's a question in that, or if uh, if honestly, if you um, just let me see if I can surmise a little bit better. What if there is no one answer? What if the answer is, is as vast and complicated as it would be to describe the Earth? I mean, yeah. Well, I agree. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't think I don't think that that when when we're saying that this stuff is all related, that that's necessarily saying it's all going to come down to one source. It's I, I mean to me it's like these things all know about each other, <laughs> you know. Put it that way. I think that there is 
It, it's just a matter of um, shining a brighter light on your environment to, to see all of the creatures that are lurking around in the dark. And so they are, in that sense, they're, they're all related, but, but you're right, they, they might have their own... I mean, the other implication of that is that they're all, you know, individually, you know, have their own ecosystems and their own ways of doing things, all that stuff. And I, I even thought about, well, geez, you know, we make fun of fairies and all that, but what if there are, much like Earth, what if there are pockets, well, much like Earth on Earth, what if there are pockets of places where certain things live, you know? And again, if you could flash a light and, and be able to see that other dimension, um, you would see that they are localized in the same way that Africa and and uh, South America and North America and all that are, are isolated, you know, and have their own isolated ecosystems with their own animals and their own stuff. Um, I wonder if Earth in this other dimension, this other broader dimension, is also populated that way, and that that's why certain cultures see certain things and others don't. That could be. We're seeing, like, distortions from the ripple effect, you know, between dimensions or however you want to call it. Yeah, but that that yeah, and then that other dimension is also, you know, if if you think of it wrapped over Earth or something, that it would also be yeah. uh, local. It would also have its own locality to it. Yeah, so, I mean, it's its well, own indigenous creature. Right. Yeah, its own indigenous right? uh, lands. Whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Well, see, I I used to try to explain that um, to people to you know re- removing um, any of the uh, the human ego. And assuming that just even in a drop of water, whatever lives in that drop of water, let's just say, for sake of argument, that it has its own conscious awareness. And what it knows is what is in that drop of water. And anything that comes into it, you know, that it could be on a leaf. It's almost like Horton hears a who, Uh you know, that... That whole thing. I mean, and, and I've even heard it, you know, put with like fish, for example. I mean, that's a pretty good example to where they're in their own world. They know the water that they live in. That's their world. But every once in a while, a dark object floats above them, and then they get yanked out of their world, gasping for air. And sometimes they get tossed back. Sometimes they don't come back. You know, it's just, you know, with the universe being as huge as it is, I mean, are we just no more than just that one little thing floating around in a, you know, a drop of the water or in a big lake, and we're just being pulled out by something that's so much larger than ourselves that we we just can't understand it. We're trying to. We just equate it to things that we recognize, but it's just, you know, it's far beyond our, our own imagination at this point. Mm-hmm. Jody, I want to know, um, when you say that, that you believe in 2012, what is it exactly that you th- you think is going to happen? I think they're going to reset the calendar and it's going to start all over. Well, me I, uh, <laughs> they ran out of stone. They couldn't make the calendar any bigger, and we're going to start all over. I, <laughs> well, I, weren't there other calendars that they did? I mean, that there, I heard that there were other calendars that go thousands of years beyond 2012. And, and all that. But I'm just wondering, okay. what like when, when, when you think, gee, what, is, what does that mean to you that things are going to restart? Um, what's funny, what's, what does that mean to you? What's funny is, you know, when I, I started talking earlier, I mentioned how um, Gary Zukoff set it off for me, talking about um, we're evolving as a species from a five-sense entity to a multi-sense entity and giving more credibility to more high strangest, more more um, intuition, and giving some validity to love. Even the love is not something that we can scientifically de- define. 
it's it's individual for everybody, and everybody's experience with it is different. It still exists. Um, I think we're going to give, as the times are changing, as evidenced by the more public acceptance and the increase in paranormal experiences, that things are changing, and more people are becoming aware of it. Um, I like to describe it as a change in frequency, and I think it's being brought about by the sun. I think the sun is a, is a conscious entity. It's being quiet right now. I think it's the uh, calm before the storm. I think the hoop's going to hit the fan, the sun's going to snap, and it's going to wake us up. I think uh, we're evolving. We're changing. I mean, to be stagnant is death. But to continue to live in the paradigm that the, the government, the powers that be, the institutions that control and rule us, if we continue to travel down that road, there's no doubt in my mind that we are not living in harmony with this earth. We're taking more than we're giving back. We're living competitively, not cooperatively. We can't continue to go this way. I think 2012 is going to be... Leave me out uh, of this plea, man. Okay. <laughs> I said, leave me out of this plea. I've been dropped out of the system for a couple of years now, man. <laughs> Shock. <laughs> Jody, let me, let me ask you this. Um, if, if that doesn't happen, what what will become of you? Like, will you become deeply depressed? What would happen if that didn't come about? As, uh, after 2012? I, uh, this is an answer I gave earlier before. Um, you know, there's no watershed moment for me because all the stuff goes on around us. It, and although it's, it's fascinating and I spend a lot of time looking into it and listening to other people's stories, I don't change the way I put my pants on in the morning, eat breakfast, and pay taxes. I mean, tomorrow's going to come. You know, I, I believe something's going to happen. I believe we're going to have some earth changes. I believe we're going to have some difficulties ahead. So... I garden, and I enjoy gardening, and I think that's the most important aspect. But I think it's also an important aspect to be connected to the earth from which we're a part of. And, you know, I mean, the molecules that make up our body came from the earth, and when we die, they go back to the earth. So in, in that physical sense, we are connected. Uh, and I've got, you know, backup heat for my house. Living, I'm in uh, southeast Pennsylvania. You know, every year we get a good snowstorm or an ice storm, we lose electricity and power for a couple days. Mm-hmm. I can't afford to have my house without heat because my pipes will freeze and I'll freeze. I grew up in the country. We always had wood stoves. And and so whether the grid goes down 2012 or not, I'm not doing things, um, expending an exorbitant amount of energy preparing for catastrophe. But I would rather be prepared and it not happen than not be prepared and, and, it, and something does happen. Well, what about just mentally or spiritually? What would it do to you to not have some sort of end date scenario? I don't think anything. No? I, I don't think it's going to be, we're going to wake up on December 21st, 2012, and a switch is going to be thrown. I think we're going through changes now. I mean, the yeah. weather's quite different. Uh, I think the public evidence of the corruption and the levels of how it goes in our government is is so obvious. I mean, you cannot say you trust the government, you believe what they're telling you. I mean, to me, that's almost being naive. Mm-hmm. Everything's changing. You know, people are questioning religion more. People are questioning the government more. People are waking up more. We are, we're, we're changing now. We're, we all have been. I, I, I think I, I reached that level when I was about, like, 12. <laughs> Reach reached what level? It was to where I realized that pretty much every institution, from religion to education, the government was all uh, lying to me. Right. Well, I mean, I, I got to say that that I, I agree that that there is something 
obviously there are big changes afoot environmentally, politically, and all that. Um, whether that's all related or not, it's there. And I do feel as though there's, quote-unquote, something coming. I mean, certainly something... Yeah, there's, some, there's something coming. attention to our lives that, that, I don't know, quote-unquote, shouldn't be there or, you know, in normalcy isn't there. Um, so something's going on. I just, I have a problem putting a date on it, you know? Yeah, I agree. Well, I, mean, uh, I agree with you. People are going to wake up to the fact that we all exist in a state of slavery, they told us slavery was abolished. That's not true. They just gave black people the right to pay taxes. And you know what's great about that? We are paying for our own slavery, and most of the people are asking for it. That's what kills me. <laughs> ah, why is that happening? Hi, everybody. It's me, Dr. Stephen Greer, and you know, I don't particularly care for, um, paratopia, but if I was going to give him some advice, it would be to do a greatest hits for the, um, 50th episode and, um, now the panel discussion so much. I mean, when I celebrate things that I've done, I like to compile a group of audio clips that, uh, that I said and, um, play them back for myself and others. Like this. I think that we're talking $3 million to make your penis erect. Well, let me finish. Don't interrupt me. I'm coming at him with a needle that's like six inches long. My urine was the color of Coca-Cola. I look like, you know, some horrible, monstrous person. The ferocious lion that wants to devour you and has just killed your best friend. Very hands-on kind of guy. I mean, you know, it's like, oh, please. Mercury, I think, is gay. Yeah, I did. If you go out here, here's LAX. I call it X-Lax. <laughs> <laughs> like it when I leave, and it's really X-Lax. Goodbye. Quack, quack. Uh, don't you love that Will and Grace where Karen goes, quack, quack? Uh, like one of my favorite scenes. So, yeah, that's the advice that I would give them to just, um do a compilation of the best of audio. Of course, their show kind of sucks, like I said, so they probably don't have best of audio, so if they just want to use some clips of me, okay, some clips of Dr. Saving Greer, <laughs> they're more than welcome. You know, anything to improve the show. Anyway, I gotta get back to my gorgeous uh, wife and four daughters, and um, disclosure, and free energy, and... Um, prepare for uh, this year's uh, tax stimulus package. I'm, I'm hoping that Obama's gonna, gonna give us another tax stimulus package. So, um, so look for my newsletter asking you to give yours to me because um, I can't be an ambassador to the universe without your help. <laughs> Just kidding. I don't need help. But I do need your money. Seriously, send it. What the hell was that? You all right? That was the power of the letting us know that they're. Uh, they got Jeff. They... No, it's <laughs> uh, I kicked the audio out. Kicked out. <laughs> <laughs> oh. 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 
Well, that couldn't have been perfect, more perfectly timed. Um, let me ask you this, Jeff. Yeah. Because this is an easy one. It's either yes or no, I guess. Core, again, on our message board, asked, um, have you ever heard of anyone who was homeless or in prison being abducted? Yes. Okay. <laughs> perfect. <laughs> Any other final questions that anyone may have? Well, I, I have a question for the Jeff. Ah, Okay. And and this is you know and if you don't want to elaborate that's cool I knew it was kind of a a touchy subject um, a few weeks back but have you had any more um, occurrences with the your, your visitor that you've had? No, I guess I can say at least that you know what occurred last time I have to basically come to grips with and, and it made it all too clear that uh, I wouldn't be seeing it until I did. And there's been a couple of small things that have happened, but not uh, not a not a grand sit down as as the the, the past two, right? Not by any stretch. Okay. Yeah. No. No. But uh, you know, there <clears throat> there's been some some weirdness around that I think is is ultimately connected to that um, uh-huh. in, in the way of a, a light that that my wife and I both have seen, which is uh, again in the living room uh, on the ceiling. And I've also seen a, I don't know how else to put it other than to say it looks like a Ouija board planchette on the ceiling, uh, a, a little more rounded than that, with a, a small white light in the center of it. And it seems to be moving towards the spot where this man sat on the floor, which is a little weird. And, and I just kind of made that connection the other night when I saw it again. But I, I, I to be honest with you, I... I was really sick. Um, I would say starting, I was sick during Christmas to a certain point, <clears throat> and then I started getting better. And then uh, it came back on me in a in a way, and, and, and <clears throat> well, I thought it was trying to kill me. And I slept on the couch two or three nights. I say slept, but I didn't sleep because I was I was just in a continual perpetual coughing fit. I take a breath and I cough, <clears throat> and I saw the light on the ceiling that night. Um, Again, fully, you, you can't get much more awake when you're gasping for air. And uh, there was a point where, as corny as this sounds, I, I often sit in, in amazement when I hear people on TV talk about being so sick that they were ready to die. And, and I, by no means was I, that, was I that sick. But I sat on this couch and I said, you know, if this were three or four times worse than this, I could, I could seriously consider understanding how people say, I'm ready to go, I've had enough of this. It was that, you know, it was that aggravating. It was that, uh, I mean, I've been up four days straight with no sleep because of this. And it was just this miserable existence. And about the time that I thought that, I looked over in the chair that Jeremy usually sits in, which we affectionately call the fart chair, <laughs> in my living room. I don't know why. And, um, and I saw... A boy chair. Yeah. And I saw a... Uh, I saw a pair of legs that I could see through, wearing a pair of slippers, wearing like a polyester pair of slacks. I could not see a torso. I could barely see the edge of a hand, and it looked like my grandfather. And um, I, <laughs> I mean, it sat me up, and when I sat up, it was gone. But uh, that, I would say, has been... The only thing that I have seen that I absolutely know I saw without any question, and I, and I question whether or not, again, when we always talk about ghosts, they talk about 
you know, people who are really sick and, and somebody comes to watch over them or something like that. Who the hell knows? I don't know. Now, now has the fart chair been with you throughout this whole thing? Because I'm beginning to wonder if it's the fart chair. Well, I bought the chair new. <laughs> I, I bought the chair new. Uh, so, yeah, it's it's been around for a while, but I bought it new. It's not by any means an antique, although just about everything else is. Right, uh, but what, whatever is making a Jared do all that crazy shit when he meditates like to be in your chair. <laughs> well, that would be his in my stool. Apparently, that would be his gas. Oh, yeah. your stool. <laughs> this show is taking uh, a maybe, turn maybe, for the maybe, worse. Maybe, maybe it's right. It's, electric, <laughs> it's electrically charged gas, man. It's play, you, it, Jeremy farts plasma. Right. Exactly. <laughs> I don't fart at all. I don't know what he's talking about. Yeah. Right. Uh, my chair says different. Um, <laughs> You've hit the a monumental 50th episode. So at this point, have you brainstormed uh, possible new directions or with the the direction for Paratopia? Because I like where you guys are going with it. I mean, it's it's it's, it's, it's knock it off, Amy. <laughs> it, it, started, it, it started as you know it, as you would expect, but you guys have taken it to a different level that no one else is doing. And you're, you're going in what I think is a good direction. So I guess my thought was, I mean, is that, is it planned or are you guys just following, you know, week by week, you know, where each lead kind of just takes you and it's just evolving or is this been part of a, a plan of yours? Huh. <laughs> um, plan? <laughs> plan? What plan? What I, plan? I, I think it, it's a little of, a little one, a lot of two. Like, I, I think that it was, there is a little planning, but, or a little right. steering, but I think yeah, mostly... Because you guys knew that certain not. amounts of it were already bullshit, so you just, you wanted to get your points across and still hit on all the, the normal stuff and then just run with it. Yeah, well, I think, like, to me, I, I don't know, I, I, ideally, I would like there to be more um, narrative to it. You know, more where each episode builds upon the last or something like that. I mean, I think that would be kind of an interesting direction to go. But um, I don't know that we'll actually do that. I, I, I don't know, Jeff. Did, did we? How much planning did we do? I mean, there we do. We are constantly going. Okay, are we being too new agey? Are we being too nuts <coughs> yeah. and bolts? Are we being too whatever? You know. So there is sort of a you know a trying to to mix it up sort of thing we're doing, but also just trying to look at it different, like, once we decide, I guess what it is, is, like, once we decided, oh, this is really about consciousness more than just our own experiences or UFOs or that sort of thing, if, then we could go broad with it, you know? Yeah. And right. I think mix that it up was helpful. Much as you want is, mix it up as broad, broadly as you want, as long as you tie it together with humor, I think is what makes it work. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I mean, I think that no, I don't think there's been a a plan. I think that we've tried to get guests on that don't necessarily fit the mold of what you would expect to hear on a paranormal show. Now, some have. Um, I think Colin Andrews is somebody you would expect to hear on a paranormal show and Whitley Strieber and all of those. I don't think you'd expect to hear somebody like Greg Matloff on a show uh, or, or any number of other people. Now, I, I'll let you guys know ahead of time. One of the things I definitely want to do with the next 50, <laughs> I think it's pretty clear that we didn't set out to be a hit show. Uh, we didn't, uh, 
we, we don't suffer fools. In fact, we don't listen to them at all. We don't have them on, which I think ultimately is the best way to, if you want to be a policeman of this field, is the best way to do it is to ignore them. You're not going to clean up this field. It's not going to happen. Uh, so why bother trying? I learned my lesson with the Meyer case. Make no mistake about that. That's not to say I think I wasted my time with that, but ultimately, no matter how good your evidence is, 50% of the people are going to believe you and 50% are not. I think the next 50, the one thing I would like to do is to take a lot of longstanding held beliefs in in just about every paranormal genre. We did it a little bit with Rob Beck when we brought him on to talk about uh, environmental uh, issues as they apply to a haunting, such as the limestone, the running water, that sort of thing. We're going to go the next step with that, and we're going to have a tenured professor of psychology on who's written a book called uh, Psychological Pseudoscience. And one of the things he talks in there a lot about is regression hypnotherapy. And, uh, and we're going to lay it on the line for ufology. This is the guy who has studied this stuff, and we're going to listen to what he has to say about it, the pros, the cons, and all of that. I think the majority you can expect is going to be con. And hopefully that trickles down into the field uh, as a couple of other shows that we've done have and maybe might change some opinions of the picture that's been painted of the experience or phenomena for the past 20 years. So that's what I'd like to see happen. But again, it, it all depends on what guest is available at what time. And, and and how can we get them on to talk about uh, you know the issues we want them to address? I got news for you: getting scientists on a paranormal show ain't fucking easy. No, I can't uh, imagine. Right, know, no one's got a hold of a Michio Kakaku or whatever his name is. Yeah, well, we've written him endlessly, and, and not only first one to get him. I think that'll be the end of the world at that point. <laughs> well, I mean, I think I don't think uh, you know. I, I mean, we we talked earlier about, like, one cohesive answer, um, which I think you had asked about, uh, and what if there isn't one? And I, and I think you're right, there isn't one. But I think that, and this is just my opinion, it does not necessarily reflect the views of my co-host, Jeremy Vaney. <laughs> I think it is one thing. I think it is one thing that is as diverse as all of us are. And it's interacting with us on a one-on-one basis to the absolute most personal level that it can. That's the reason for all the infighting, because everyone is telling the truth as it comes to their perspective, uh, if they're being honest, that is. And, and, and that, that's the reason for the confusion. That's the reason we can't put our finger on it is because it is one thing, but that one thing is so infinitely complicated that having one guest or tackling one aspect of a paranormal study isn't going to get it. My own thought is that, and I came to this about you know a year ago, that I'm, I'm, they're going to put me in the ground, and I'm still not going to know a whole lot more than what I know now about this. Because I think to know what this is means to peek around the corner or to skip to the end of the movie, and I don't think that we're allowed to do that. I think the best that we can hope for is to try and understand the mechanics of what we are looking at without putting it into that preconceived cultural box. Uh, Look at it for what it is. So trying to get guests like that, that's tough, (laughs) you know? 
But I think I think with the next fifty, I definitely like to take on some of the issues that people have issues with, as far as paranormal stuff goes. That doesn't mean hit episodes. That just means let's talk to the people who would know about this stuff, oh, uh, and, and not ufologists. <laughs> because as far as I'm concerned, and I'll say it here and now, ufologists are worthless. Okay, they are worthless. There is nothing coming out of ufology that is new within the past. I'll be gracious, 10 years. Well, There's well they, nothing... they put themselves in a box. Well, it's absolutely. It's you apology. Absolutely. And, and I'll give you a clue. Kevin Randall, in this month's UFO magazine, Ugh. states that they can prove that some UFOs are alien craft. Really? Shut up. Really, Kevin? <laughs> really? <laughs> Fuck me. I mean, really? I'm out. I'm out. So what I'm doing is what we're doing here. Uh, Go and chase gnomes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'd rather do that than to listen to more crap or to rehash another Roswell. So, I mean, I think that we've taken uh, from some people an undue amount of heat uh, for being of a new age bend. And I think that what we said at the start of the show, which was that we were going to take some terminologies from the new age and try and redefine them in a way that's useful. Uh, oh, yeah. And I think that yeah. language is going to be our biggest hurdle in doing that. So, uh, you know, that's, that's what I see ahead is trying to understand the stuff that no one wants to talk about and talk about them in depth with people who would or might have some kind of insight that ufology is not providing us or that the paranormal is not providing us and, and try it that way and see what comes out of it. I mean, I, that's the best well, I can. You, you guys kind of pulled, I mean, we just need to come up with a, a new terminology to explain or to define um, new age. Cause you started to do it and you, I guess you still do it with um, paranormal is not as used as much as um, like, experiencers or um, experiencers of strangeness. I mean, uh, it just, strangeness yeah. There you go. Thank you. Thank you very much. That's what I was looking for. But, you know, it's almost like it, it needs to be redefined into something that you don't, you know, imagine, you know, the, the hippies dancing in the field throwing flowers. <laughs> I mean, yeah. as soon as you start seeing that shit, I mean, that's what turned me off to crop circles. Right. You know, they're very interesting. You know, what after hearing you know the the Colin Andrews view of it, right. I mean that 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 lit it back up for me because he's looking beyond that. He's getting all this other good stuff. But when you normally see it, anything that's on television, you always see the hippies out there. They they're the one last ones to drag their sorry asses into the thing. That's when the, <laughs> the film crew showed up. So what right. do you got? You know, you know, and even if you try to have a serious conversation about that, people are like, "Well, God, did you see that one?" It wasn't even wearing a bra. Oh, I mean, Christ, and, and, I mean what, <laughs> what do you do? I mean, I saw one of those with my dad, and I was interested. You know, we saw it on the news, and I'm like, I was about ready to say something. You know, it's like, now look at that. And then right. there was a bunch of goddamn hippies. And at that point, he's like, look at them smelly-ass hippies. They're all over the place out there. Right. They were probably smoking weed, and they did it the night before. I'm just like, well, I can't have an intelligent conversation with him about it. So, well, And see, this is, this is the other thing that, that we're talking about is that at least for me, in in the, all the years that I've been involved in this publicly, publicly and not, I've told my wife this a million times that I'm, I'm almost more fascinated 
with how people react to it almost as much as I am interested in the phenomenon itself. Because I think there's definitely, again, something to learn from that. You know, back when I was 12, 13 years old, I was really is- interested in, in Germany during World War II because I wanted to know how a country goes insane like that. I want to understand what is the mentality of a leader that can call for the extermination of other human beings like that without so much as batting an eyelid. I'm almost more fascinated with the people and how they react to the unknown just as much as I am interested in what what is the unknown. And I think that there's, as much as I hate to say it, I think there's even value when you look at someone like the hippies you're talking about. There, there's something there uh, in a cultural sense that they are reacting to, and, and what is it that they're reacting to and why? Even if it's a sociological issue, I still find that interesting. But yeah, I, I absolutely know what you mean when you talk about it's continual marginalization by things that we would deem to be airy-fairy or new-agey um, that immediately throws it into a garbage bin for some people. Uh, and I think that, that for me, I'd rather dig through the trash and say why than I would just to say, well, that's trash. Can I ask you a question? Yeah. What? And I, I'm kind of playing devil's advocate, but I, I have the genuine question of, if you want to redefine the vocabulary because you don't like the labels that are being used from New Age or from UFO, UFOologists and all that other stuff, mm-hmm. what is going to separate you from them if you're just setting up another camp somewhere else? Right. Well, it's another. Well, because we don't. We won't have an ideology. Behind. <laughs> We've got clean water. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, it, be, uh, well, I can tell you why. Because I think that. Um, Jeremy, I mean, first of all, I'm lucky to have a friend who has the biggest balls of anybody I know. Deidre? Um, <laughs> oh. right. Because because this is a guy who will get up in front of an entire X conference and say, how do you know this is extraterrestrial? How do you know this is this? How do you know this is that? Uh, I mean, I think the... The, the, the good point that we have is that we don't have, or at least I don't have, a preconceived notion of what I want this to be, whereas I feel like the New Age wants it to be spirit guides or this sort of thing, or the ufologists want it to be extraterrestrials, extra-dimensionals, whatever. Uh, I, I'm just as open to it being our consciousness doing all of this, uh, or our consciousness reacting with something else that may be so far beyond our comprehension that we may not know, even recognize it when we do see it. That's the best answer I got for you on that. I mean, uh, invariably, it's going to be seen as some sort of ideology, but just because we're human beings and we're trying to make sense of something. So how is it going to separate? I, I I don't know how it's going to shake out. But but I think I've had enough of our evil overlord reptilians and our little spindly gray fuckers and all of that. I've had enough. I've had enough of the guy in the black sheet. Because that ain't it either. <laughs> um, I don't believe that. Um, I don't know. Know. I've seen those cloaky dudes, too. They're kind of creepy. <laughs> you mean shit? <laughs> yeah. I mean, but I'm, I'm, I don't necessarily... I mean, I think a lot of people would see that. Uh, I don't know if it would be the majority of people would see something like that and say, there was a man in my house in a black sheet. Well, well, it wasn't in my house. It, and I'm not they, necessarily they, you know, so willing to believe that. You know, I mean, that's that's I'm not so willing to say that's what it is. You know, 
So uh, I, I don't know how it would separate out. I don't know how it would shake out for us versus the rest of the paranormal field. Well, let me let me propose this. One thing I think that a lot of people have well, – I'm, I'm sorry. I'll speak for myself. Mm-hmm. I like the sincerity and the genuineness of your guests, and I'm going to speculate that they approached the subject that they were studying, that they were curious about, open-minded, and they based their theories on what their experiences, their evidence, and their beliefs are. And I mm-hmm. think, you know, I think you and Jeremy are doing that now, and I think that's why you have the following that you have and get the guests that you do. We're, we're all overlapping with, with similar experiences. Right. You know, I'm not going to say that our camp's any better than anybody else's, but our camp, this camp is, you know, we can validate what we're saying through evidence and experience. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and I don't want to sound too new agey with this, but um, approach it with an open heart, without bias, and considering what we know and what we feel. Yeah, I don't, yeah. I don't think um, showing emotion is new agey. You know, <laughs> like <laughs> I, I think what you said is 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 fine. You know, I think that's great. I I think that we do. I hope differ from other camps in that, just as Jeff said, it, it is more about. <sighs> Well, it's, it started off being our own personal journey, and in, and in some ways it's always going to be that. It's always going to be what interests us, you know, um, because I, th- I think once you start, like, trying to play to an audience, then you end up having less quality control over the guests. I think that just sort of happens naturally. Um, so I think if we have great guests, it's, it's because we're very selective, because we don't want to have conversations with people that we don't want to have conversations with. You know, and, and I feel like that's different than other shows that will have on, you know, the John Lears, the Greers, the this, the that. Um, I think it is better because I, I don't I, I, I don't see a use to having on a bunch of people that you don't think are telling the truth to simply say, well, audience, now you go make up your mind. Uh, if you don't think they're telling the truth at the outset, don't have them on. Right. Um, so yeah, I don't this know. might be bullshit. But feel free to investigate on your own. Yeah, because then to <laughs> me, that's then that's that is about trying to sort of please the audience or trying to pull in ratings and all that. Right. So, I mean, you're just throwing some shit out there for a couple hours and not getting anybody anything closer to anything what they already had in their head in the first place. That made any sense? No, I didn't. Never mind. Take it back. <laughs> One, two, three. Welcome back to Paratopia. <laughs> We're going to use that. I was attracted to your show because of what you guys do, not because of what I want you to, because of what I want you to do. So you guys just keep doing what you're doing. All right. Okay. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Deal. Yeah. <laughs> Alan, Deidre, Jody, and John, thank you very much for uh, for coming on Paratopia <laughs> and for doing this panel discussion and making it a very special 50th episode. Thank you, guys. Have a good night. Yeah, you thank too. you. Absolutely. Thank you, buddy. All right, bye-bye. Bye-bye. Now. Dreams, everyone. Check, yeah, check your front step. I got something out there for you. <laughs> <laughs> get the hell off our show. <laughs> <laughs>